welcome back to Big City Catholics. It's the Brooklyn Diocese podcast with Bishop Brennan, and I am not father. I am deacon, Deacon Kevin McCormick. I am the superintendent for schools here in the diocese, and Father Christopher is out on a pilgrimage to the Oberammergau, which is the, I know it is the German passion place. It goes on for, for really hundreds and hundreds of years, and I know Father Chris is having a great time. He's a great leader, and it gives me an opportunity to be with you. For any of the old-time listeners here, I'd like to think of me as Lou Gehrig and as Father Chris as Wally Pip. That will mean nothing to only about 10 of us, but it's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> so it's, it's a real honor to be with you, Bishop, and I know, as is a tradition here in this podcast, that we begin with a prayer. So I'm honored that you'll join me as we're always in the presence of our God. Heavenly Father, we live such busy lives. So many things are being done, so many places to go, things to do, people to see. And yet, we need the stillness. Lord, we ask you in the fullness of love to help us to see what's truly important and to let go of everything else. In the Lord's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, Bishop, this is a real honor for me to be able to sit here. And I'm teasing about Father Chris, but you guys do a wonderful job. And, and the programs that you've done have already been very, very important. And they're actually part of my podcast list. And I'm not just telling you that because you're the boss, but I actually enjoy what you guys have done. I also like the fact that Father Chris has a great way of kind of pushing things forward and helping the system go through, so I'm hoping I can do half as well. So what has your week been like? Well, it's actually been quite an interesting week. We were together during the week for the Rosary Rally. We'll have a chance to talk about that a little bit. But one of the things I'm kind of struck by, the weekends would have just been great. We were together last week in Richmond Hill area mm -hmm. at Archbishop Malloy. I was in Richmond Hill three times last wow. week. Wow. So I was there. I was at confirmation at St. Teresa, St. Anthony, Padua. Mm -hmm. I had Mass at Our Lady Perpetual Help. And of course, we were together in Archbishop Malloy. But I've been focusing these two weeks. We've been talking a lot about the prophet Amos, right? We don't hear from him too often. And no, boy, we had no. him twice in a row. Right. And Amos is one of those prophets who hits you right between the oh eyes. Oh my God! Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> whoa to you who uh, who are complacent, who you know sit on ivory couches. And, he definitely uh, could be from Brooklyn. I, I have no <laughs> doubt that the prophet Amos could be from Brooklyn because he has no no guile. He's a New York kind of sentimentality of of, of that. Let's get to the meat and potatoes of this. Tell it like it is. That's what he does. He tells it like it is. And he's different. Most of the prophets, rightly so, because this was the big problem. Most of the prophets talked about the worship of God. They, the big problem in those days was idolatry. People kind of looking at their neighbors and saying, oh, let's just do what they're doing. But he gets to the issues of justice and mercy and of really doing God's will. So in the last week, we hear him challenging people uh, to authentic behavior you know, to really to follow the Lord. And this week really about don't be complacent. And we're coupled as we come into it with that parable from Luke about Lazarus and the rich man. That's another one that hits you right between the um, eyes. Luke, I have the privilege of preaching just about every week. And as we go through Luke's gospel, Luke reminds me of someone who at first blush, she seems so easy. It's like, oh, that's obvious. And then you let it sit just a little bit, just a little bit. And then I was saying to my congregation last week was that I picture him in a cafe watching me play with it. And then when I realize what he's saying and the depth of it, he kind of lifts his cup of espresso and says, you know, you got it, Kev. Good luck to you. And then off he goes. Because in each, they're, they're, they really are they're, they're terribly difficult things. And they stick to you. They're like a good meal in the winter, you know, that, that sticks to your ribs. And, and while all the Gospels have greatness and love, I find Luke, this year at least, the most challenging for me. Yeah. Exactly. Well, his gospel is all about mercy and practical application of mercy, the practical application. And that, it's nice to think about it. It's nice to theorize about it. 
When you come down to it, Luke isn't telling us the stories of Jesus theorizing. No. Luke is showing us Jesus calling us to a real practical application of mercy. So the rich man and Lazarus, even the poorest among us, were a lot richer than a lot of the world. Right. right. And that's, that, that's where that becomes a wake-up call. A wake-up call. He demands, when we were in seminary a million years ago, we had a professor, Monsignor Denza. And he would talk about metanoia, baby, metanoia, change, ch -ch -ch changes. And when I'm reading Luke's gospel, when I'm preaching on Luke's gospel, when I'm praying with Luke's gospel, I realize that there's the call. Two weeks ago, the prodigal son, the quote-unquote good son, had to change. The younger son changed because he was hungry. The older son had to change because he had to see that he didn't earn his dad's love. Last week, the scoundrel steward, I love him. I think he's so clever. And I don't like calling him the dishonest one because at the end, everybody won. The people won, the owner of the land won, and he may have saved his hide, but Luke is so, I, I, he's just so rich. He is, he is, you know? So when you get down to like the rich man and Lazarus, to me, the real thing about the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man couldn't see Lazarus. He just, he wow, was a beggar right. at the gate. He wasn't anybody. And I love the hubris of the rich man. You know the story. He, he dies. Both of the rich man and Lazarus die. And, you know, Lazarus is up at the pearly gates at heaven. And let's just say the rich man is a little warmer. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. To say the least. And he's, he's saying, this is awful. And I, I love this line. He tells the Lord, send Lazarus down yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Send yeah. Lazarus down here. To, you know, I never to thought of that. Of right, 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 right. Are you kidding me? Exactly. Lazarus, <laughs> this is the bosom, right. <laughs> and, and he just couldn't see Lazarus as anything but either a servant or a pitiable person at the gate. And that's what I think this gospel will do. It opens our eyes. We have to really pay attention and see the people among us and, and really, in some ways, see some of the poorest among us, some of the really, truly suffering. Sometimes that's close to home. Sometimes somebody's really hurting and we can just be busy about our lives. And one of the things I think the gospel does is it refocuses us. Somebody needs my attention. Clearly we're in a situation in real time right now where it's very easy for us to not see the people around us. And look, our job, my job certainly, nor is your job to be political pundits. We're, we're here to deal with the people that have come to our city, to our parishes, to our homes, to our schools. And we have a situation now where we have people who have literally been tossed out of their, their old homes for whatever reason. And that's not for me to judge. The fact is I know they're in our diocese now. Right. They don't speak English. Uh, and the weather is changing. It's going to get cooler. And, and they, it's going to get cooler and it's going to get darker. Yes. That's the other thing. It's right. going to, the day's getting shorter. And so what's our response? You know, we have kids, and, and we have families, but I mean, I'm looking at the kids. There's a young kid, Father Mason, who's a great priest in our diocese. He told me about a young kid named the Professor. He's about a 10-year-old kid. And the Professor is, is brilliant, and he wanted to make sure he's in there. I got a chance to meet the Professor. I've been going to schools every day since the school year began. And what, by the way, this will be another day. Thank you for trusting me with this job. This is the best job I have ever, ever had. And, and that's the truth. <laughs> like, don't, don't tell the Matt Zaveri. Zaveri was a great gig. I love that. I was there many, many years. But I, I was able to see it. And I met the professor. He's a young boy. I speak Spanish very poorly. Very, very. In fact, to say I speak Spanish is a joke. I, I can say like four lines. So I said to the, to the young man, I said, uh, lo siento. I said, uh, yo hablo, uh, 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 yo, yo, tien, yo quiero hablo español. Pero yo hablo español muy mal. And he just burst into a smile. Now, he told the teacher there, he says, he can't speak well, but he tried. 
I was in tears, Bishop. Here's this kid, he's got nothing, and he sees what I'm doing, and I look like a clown, a hundred times bigger than the kid. My Spanish is horrendous, as you, i just proven. And yet he just looked and he said, he tried. I've met the professor. Oh, wow. <laughs> and being in one of our schools, he's really adjusting. Yeah. He's really adjusting. His English is already... His easy, English is better than my Spanish. <laughs> but he's adjusting to the kids. But it, the fact of the matter is, some, it's not everywhere in the city. So we're not, it's basically, there, some parishes were located near some of the shelters are facing all of a sudden larger numbers of people coming to their doors with nothing. I mean, nothing. And as you said, this is a human issue. It's not, I mean, yeah, I know there are political issues and we have to work through those. And quite honestly, um, I, I've heard it said a pox on both their houses. I mean, you, you know, right, both sides right, of the political right. spectrum. We need, this, this needs to be worked out and it can be worked out. But that's not the point. The point is we have brothers and sisters who need to be seen need to be recognized. And, and by the way, these are people who are, they're also coming to Sunday Mass. That's right. So Father Mason will tell you, these are, are families and, and young people who are showing up on Sunday right. for Mass. So they're not just coming seeking material help, although boy, oh boy, some of the basics everything. are needed. And you know what, I have to say, I've been really, really proud of um, Catholic Charities. Like I said, the reasons and the ways that people have arrived. It's not all what you're seeing Correct. on TV. This has been going on for a number of months. It's more complicated. Some are, they're coming through different ways. But the fact of the matter is people are arriving at our doorstep and asking for help. So Catholic Charities has been reaching out and they're doing what they can. And then the, some of our parishes. Our parishes have just been responding so generously. And our priests and deacons have been doing what the religious have been doing. But most importantly, the parishes themselves have mobilized. Mm -hmm. They're trying to respond to whatever the needs are. They're, they're serving community meals. They're providing things. Again, it's limited what people can take back to where they're staying. So they're adapting. And that, that's what's really uh, so inspiring. Very heartening. I send out a letter to all the principals on Sunday, just a you know, beginning of the week thing. And I mention Father Brendan and Father Mason, the work that they're doing. And the principal at Joachim and Ann, St. Joachim and Ann, which is a very heavily Haitian community, said, we know what that's like. Right. Tell us what you need. Yeah. And that's, that's what they did. And that's what they're doing now. And you know, I, I'm getting chills as I'm telling you this because that's the work that's being done. That's the work that's being done. And that it's so proud. It's great. And that's where you say people, they see with the eyes of Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. Now, that's what I want to pick up on because yeah. this is a big thing in my world here. So when we talk about Catholic schools, Catholic our parishes, uh, our communities, our high schools, we, we have all great things here. We're very big on talking about Catholic identity, and we're proud of that. That's our masses, our sacramentals, our pictures, our statues. And these are all essential parts. They're not extras. But what our business is, and if I keep my job, I'll know you'll agree with me on this, so we'll find out. Uh, in case you're wondering, this is not scripted. We're just going out, so we're going to see how this ends. But to me, it's the Catholic imagination. That was a hip term like 50 years ago. Some theologians played with it. But we are in the business of helping our kids, in the case of schools, but and supporting our parishes, for us to think and see and perceive the world as Catholics do. We imagine, we imagine a sacramental world where God is everywhere, even in the pain and the suffering. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is the essential part. And that's you see that. So when the kids at Joachim and Ann, St. Joachim and Ann, are doing that work, when the parish is in, whether it's Bay Ridge or Douglaston or Rosedale or Williamsburg, I'm trying to get all the points on our diocese. But 
they think and they say, you know what? Even in suffering, we can be the hands, the feet, the eyes, the heart of God. That's it. That's exactly it. And, you know, I think that perfectly sound. I think imagination is, is exactly right. It's a way of viewing the world. And I speak about vision. You know, one of the things, you and I had a chance to serve before together mm -hmm. at Our Lady of Peace. That's right. Where you're a deacon, and I was resident there for a little while. And, you know, in the sacristy there, there's the, there were the two icons. There's the icon of John Vianney and of uh, St. Stephen the Martyr. Mm -hmm. And they're both up there, the deacon and martyr, I should say. John Vianney's holding a scroll. And he says, the eyes of this world see things only as they appear to be or only on the surface, whereas the, the eyes of the Christian see deep into eternity. All right? I probably don't have that exact, but, but, but that's the idea. Here's how I put it. What we are tuned to in the gospel, the eyes of faith, to see the world as it really is, and not just as it appears to mm -hmm, be, mm -hmm. and, and, and to go go deep, and that's what the prophet Amos is calling us, right. that's what um, Jesus is calling to in the Gospel of Luke. To, you know, it's not, it's not only to make believe. No. I think there's a faux Christianity that, that puts a veneer over the reality, and we sometimes play with rose-colored glasses, and all denominations are guilty of this, especially, especially the uh, prosperity gospel, which is a whole other issue, which is not Catholic, it's not Christian in my opinion, completely, but with the joys, the fears, the, the beginning right. of Gaudium and that's, that's what we are, there is no veneer here. We go into the muck and the mire, and we find our Lord. And why is that? Because isn't that what our Lord did? I love the Philippians hymn. Though he was in the form of God, Jesus didn't deem equality with God something to be grasped, but rather he emptied himself. He went in to the muck and the mud. He did it right there at the baptism, his opening uh, debut, you might yeah, say. Yeah, and then when you do that, one of my heroes has a great quote. He says, we need to be bold and joyful and, 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 and unapologetic. And, but, when, but when you deal in that reality, in case you didn't know, that, that's Bishop Brennan. It, it, it should be his coat of arms, it really should. But, what, but how powerful is that, Bishop, really? I mean, so, it, you know, it's bold. We, we are who we are. We're not subtle. There's nothing subtle about us. We have to be out there. We have to be energetic. Where's the energy? Like, I don't do well with boring people. I, I apologize for that. But the unapologetic, that doesn't mean we're not humble. It doesn't mean we don't listen. But it means that we follow the truth. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's brilliant. I steal a little time, but since I'm in the diocese, I have to give you credit. And, uh, <laughs> in Rockwell you. Center, I don't. <laughs> Actually, I do, to be honest. I was still and unapologetic. It's, it's like we don't say, oh, we can't teach you that in our schools because, you know, Catholics are sort of limited. No, no, no. The gospel that we proclaim is the, the gospel that gives life. It's the gospel that actually gives a deeper joy. We're, we're proud of who we right. are and, and what we present. So no matter who, what radio, not what news station you listen to, we're going to annoy you. <laughs> and woe to you. Woe to you. Because we, we, that's what we try and do. But we're going to do it with that sense of joy. Because yep. basically what Jesus offers us is, is a true joy, not rose. I always say Jesus didn't hand out rose-colored glasses no. at the Last Supper. Look at who we hung out with. I love the 12 apostles. They, what a motley crew. You know, these would not be people you would pick on your team. Well, you might have. I, I know who you pick. You pick I, know, <laughs> I know what in particular you pick, so maybe no. you would have. But, um, but that's the beauty of it. The incarnation is, is dealing with the Lord in the real. So that can be wonderful events that are happening and the great celebrations today with the kids. We had kids speaking Polish and Mandarin and Creole and Spanish and English. And all together, sharing pizza downstairs, having a great time. Father Joe Drabino, he, he's the biggest kid in the diocese, I think. He was, <laughs> he was wonderful with them. And, and then at the same time, 
We have families that are struggling and wondering, how am I going to get through the winter? Right. That's, that, that's where we belong. Right. That's where we belong. That's it. And woe to us if we're not. So tell me, how, was, how are your first weeks going? Uh, you know, you've been here since the summer, and uh, at the beginning of the summer you started, and of course there's, school really starts for principals and administrators on July 1st, That's doesn't right. it? So for me, July and August was sort of like the preseason, so I met a lot of people. I, I, I spoke to a whole bunch of people, and uh, everybody in the diocese has been great. And the beauty here is that we're not in a siloed situation. So because I'm working with the schools, I'm also working with the folks in the sales. I'm working with, with Father Keating. I'm working with Monsignor Grimaldi. I'm working with Father Gerbino. I'm working with all the different groups of people that are involved. So that's wonderful. Even the folks at Rockland, they're part of what we do. It's all part of what we are. So spending mission, yeah. time, exactly. So there's no like us and them. And I wanted to make sure that that was the case under my administration with the schools, is that we're here to work with everybody. And it's worked out very, very well. Now, September still comes in. We hit the ground running. And I say, I want to spend two weeks visiting schools. So I said, Kev, is that a good idea? I said, I can do it. Well, I did it. But man, is it tiring? I don't know how you do it. You're always on. I mean, so you go in, the kids are wonderful. The principals are very inviting. I got a wonderful rosary from one school. I got cards and letters I still have to go through. And here's what I found. Each school is unique. So that's a, that's a given. But their roots are in the kids. Like it's the kids stupid. You know, like to borrow from the old uh, Clinton administration, it's the economy students. It's the kids stupid. It, everything lives and dies with those children because the school is there for them. They're not there for the school. The parents sacrifice. And look, our schools aren't cheap. I do think we're undervalued. I do think we're worth a lot more than we right. charge. But I realize that we have to do the right thing on this and, and meet people where they are. But all that sacrifice that those parents come in, the people with futures that come and help us with all the, the stuff, John Nataro does great work with those people. About a third to, to 40% of our, our students get something from them. And you know what I love about futures, if we could go on a sidebar there? You know, when I meet with some of the, especially the older benefactors to, to futures, many of them will say, I wouldn't have gotten anywhere without my Catholic school education. Mm -hmm. And that's why I need to be doing Gotta this. give back. And they're giving back to real and people. They re exactly. So they want to see this gift. They, they want this to become available yeah. to other people. So that's a great, great gift. We have, to, we have to put more resources into our faculty, into our principals, making sure we can retain them. I mean, these are all things you know, we all know, but we have to kind of put it to the forefront. And we need to remind people that without the sisters and brothers and the dedicated lay people of their education, they wouldn't be where they are. And now it's time. you got to kick back. I mean, that's just, it's just fair. Yeah. It's just fair. So it is exciting, but I am tired, I have to be honest. Now you've moved from one school to many, but most of our schools are elementary right. schools, but we have a good relationship. And I think that's one of the gifts you bring to the job is your own experience in the high school so that we can continue to build those bridges with the high school communities. But it is a new world, isn't it? It, it really is. Although I've kept contact, so I was with Cathedral, which is sort of my alma mater. I went to Pius X, which was the prep seminary in Long Island. We have some kids from Rockville Center. I, I don't know if the Arch is involved in, in Cathedral also, but. I, so it is, I, I think, yeah. because so, Cardinal Dolan came to visit. So it's great to be with them. We were at Malloy. I've been in contact with people from St. Francis Prep and uh, Lachlan and St. Saviors and St. Edmunds. And of course, you know, Zavarian is, is, is my old home. So we've kept that contact, and I have a good relationship with them, and we want to continue to work with them. So I'm, I'm really proud of the world I came from. All the high schools are great. To all my friends at Zavarian, thank you for letting, helping me be who I am. But... And one more dragon to slay. One more professional dragon to slay. And I'm looking forward to doing it with you. It really is. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. We have a number of schools and academies. We, we have a large student body. I think one of my 
biggest challenges? And this has been anywhere I've gone. You wish we could address every need, solve every problem. And some things are just beyond us, or, we, or, or the fact of the matter is we need to be able to care for the whole. Now, what, you're, you're the eighth bishop of Brooklyn? So we're part of a continuum, and we can only do what we're here for. Bishop Henning from Rockville Center, I was at a talk he gave. He's a wonderful man, but he pointed out saying, for whatever reason, God put us in this time, in this place, with these concerns, to do the best we can. And it's a paraphrase. Bishop Henning said it much better than I just did. But that's what here. So you as the eighth bishop, you're here to deal with what you can at this time. There's going to be a ninth bishop. There's going to be a tenth bishop. That's right. There's going to be future superintendents. And, and our job is to just keep that continuum flowing. Make sure I inherited a wonderful program. We give thanks to Tom Chizuko and his program and everything he did for 20 years for our diocese. But now it's my turn. It's our team's turn. It's time to move forward. I can be replaced very easily. You know that a little too well. I'm not too happy about that. But, you know. <laughs> but the fact is, is that, that there will be others, and our job is to do the best we can now. And can we sleep at night? I mean, I know it sounds silly, but you know, did you give everything you could today? Did you leave it on the field? That's it. You know, today, the day that we're recording this was also the day that we recorded the Rosary Rally. For, they'll be on net TV, and there's some production work that has to go on and all of that, so I'm looking forward to seeing it's gonna it. It's going to be great. We had representative. I think this was mostly, these were mostly schools in Queens. Queens. And, and, and actually, then we'll be doing something in Lent for right, the with, schools with, in, with the schools in Brooklyn. Father Jubino also has a plan we were talking about today. It sounds great. We're going to keep it, we're going to do a tease. We, you know, in the biz, in the biz, we call this a tease. But we will be doing something for, uh, for the Lenten experience, and we'll bring the Brooklyn schools in. And we might, if we knew somebody who could get us into St. Joseph or St. James Cathedral, we might do it there. But we'll, uh, well, we'll I'll see if you we'll, know we'll anybody. We'll see if we can yeah. make any calls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, it's, but it is exciting. How great were those kids? They were terrific. They were terrific. They really were. They were so sweet. And they were, at one point, <laughs> we, you said something, and I thought it was very funny, and I guffawed. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the kid turned around, and they, like, they were like, shame on you. Like, you should know, but they smiled. I just, it was, I mean, I wish I knew all of them. I wish we, we could have spent time. And, and you'll see, when you see the event on net, TV that we, we have a living rosary. There were fifty kids, uh, uh, fifty five kids, kids uh, plus right. the I call it the mini rosary. You know, right. the, the five in the beginning, it's so six in the beginning. So it's um it's very special. Yeah, it was. And one of the things that was great is these kids. They may be they they may have their shyness here and there, but you can tell the rosary is part of their life already. How right are you on that? I, I was shocked. They were comfortable with it. They weren't afraid of it. They, they, they weren't like, uh, I mean, a few of the youngsters had a little, little stage fright, but it had nothing to do with the rosary. It had to do with the cameras and, the, and the, the vastness of the chapel and stuff. But I was taken back by that because I don't know if I would have been able to do the same thing when I was in sixth grade. No. And then they did it in different languages, yeah. too. So it's interesting because it's not, it was that blend back and forth with whatever language and, and English, you know, they, which is the world that a lot of these kids live in. They, they go back and forth. Um, they're speaking English in school in their communities, but then when their family gathers, it might be Spanish or Chinese or That's the beautiful um, Creole. You can go, it, literally, every one of us who's listening to this who lives in Brooklyn, Queens, or in Manhattan or Brooklyn or Staten Island, and even now elements in the Rockville Center Diocese, you'll see more and more of it, uh, uh, is that there, there, here comes everybody, to borrow from Joyce. And you can go one block and there's Chinese, and then there's a Cidic community, and then there's a Sikh community, and then there's a you know, Chinese and, and Polish and, and Catholic and Italian and Irish. It's, man, I, I love it. It is. And then, again, what you see, 
they tend to stay with their schools be, for a number of reasons, practical reasons, but comfort level. But like once they're out in the hallway and it, there's this mix, you just see this great mix of we the saw kids. It today. They're so naturally yep. with each other. They're children. Yep. Children, children. But there's something that's happening in our Catholic schools that I think um, invigorates these young people. And they become some of our most powerful witnesses just by the way they live their life. You, you, Bishop, you hit the nail on the head, and that's exactly what we need to promote and let people see what they're investing in. You know, no one wants to buy great paint. You know, great paint, everybody needs great paint, I guess, in, in their buildings. But they want to invest in Teresa or Rashim or, or every other name you can think of. And, and that's who they do invest in. When they give to Futures, when they give to the schools, when they help out the way they do, they're not paying my salary. They're not paying your salary. They're helping these kids. And the example I give is, as you're listening to this podcast, there's a mom who's washing the dishes after dinner, who's crying, saying a prayer to our lady, saying, how am I going to get my kid into this school? And she can't pray with her husband because he's on his third job, and he's coming in and getting four hours sleep and starting all over again. That's who we're helping, because we then bring them into our schools. We invite them to share. We give them the, the identity, but we give them the imagination to change the world. How powerful that is, how powerful that is. Well, you know, thanks for, the, for, thanks for joining this team. I mean, oh, you were already really on it, but now good. you're on it and bring away. Speaking of teams, this is an exciting time for an older Met fan I've, back I, here in Queens. I do tend to blow as the wind does, so I'm a Met fan right now, and I'm very proud. They made the playoffs last night, guaranteed the playoffs. But they're an exciting team. I grew up in the Bronx. So did you, actually. What? When did you leave the Bronx? I was six years old, 1968. I was so I, and I lived right by Yankee Stadium. Okay. So I grew up in the Bronx, but they're a little too corporate for me. But the Mets, and I love Show, uh, Show Walter. He's, he's terrific. Well, the, and the Yankees, Aaron Judge is making he's us proud, too. So this is, this is a good New York year yeah. for... And even the Giants won two in a row, so <laughs> it could be over. But, like, I have two good weeks. But so. our Mets, uh, they, they secured a spot in the playoffs, so we know that they'll be playing in October. We don't know how deep. I always say the Mets look great in April. <laughs> um, it's, 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 and the other thing I say is we Mets fans... Uh, Yankee fans celebrate years with pennants and World Series and all that. We celebrate anniversaries of pennants <laughs> and World well, Series. What have the Yankees done lately? I'm not looking for a fight here, but and there are uh, you know you, you're, you're the Met fan, but what have they done lately? Just saying, just saying. Well, we'll see. We'll see just what happens. So it looks like a, an exciting fall for us on so many different levels, and again, it looks like a, the beginning of a really good school year. We pray, we pray for for all of our children for their parents and their families. And we also pray for our faculty, our administrators. We have a lot of people. They're so dedicated. So, so dedicated. dedicated. They do what's rewarding. We really are going to find new ways to, to make sure we can comp compensate them more appropriately to their position in their work. But even without that, they're, they're in there. They're doing the best they can. And, and they're doing great things. And, and they're doing that in the midst of raising their own families and, and all those other challenges. So, so. so we went through baseball history with Wally Pip. We talked about uh, German passion plays. We got the scriptures in. We talked about Catholic identity. We talked about our brothers and sisters who are, are new immigrants here. We got the Yankees in. Um, I think we did all right. I, I think, think it's a wrap, huh? I think it's done. <laughs> I, I checked off everything on my box. I got nothing left. <laughs> That's great. Well... I appreciate you uh, jumping in this week. And, and actually, I look forward to some more conversations. We've had some good people on over the course of these weeks. Thrilled you with us. Maybe we could conclude with a prayer. I love that. Thank and you. And what I'd like to do is I'm going to use the prayer that we said at Mass last Sunday, the Collect for Sunday's Mass. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. Amen. O God, who founded all the commands of your sacred law upon love of you and of our neighbor, Grant 
that by keeping your precepts, we may attain to eternal life. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you this week and always in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our podcast has ended. Let us go in peace. (laughs) 